Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order of the best-tasting protein bars out there. Now, if you had been listening to the podcast last week, you'll know that we are kind of moving into off-season mode, and instead of being daily, for the time being, it will be three times per week that I will be posting an episode. The best way to keep up on things is to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Pocket Casts is what I use for my Android phone. And each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. I know many of you aren't able to listen to each episode, but, you know, if you can get to one or two a week, that would be greatly appreciated. If you do listen regularly and you're able to put up a rating and a review, especially on Apple, that would be very much appreciated as it really does help to grow the show. If you are on Twitter and Instagram, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins, Twitter and Instagram locked on Boston Bruins. If you want to follow me, your host, you can do so at ENC McLaren on both platforms. For those of you who may not be familiar with me, I am a former Hockey news editor at The Score, which is a popular mobile app based up here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I live about an hour west of Toronto in a city called Guelph, home of the OHL's Storm, who former Boston Bruin Danny Paye played for. Uh, As a point of reference, I have been a Bruins fan for upwards of 30 years, have written about the team for various outlets, and have covered like I said, the hockey world at large as well. And we have been doing this podcast now for over a year, and it's always a pleasure and a joy to talk about our favorite hockey team. Today on the podcast, I thought I'd do a bit of a off-season reset now that we are, you know, almost a month into free agency, a month after the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. What else do the Bruins have on their to-do list for the off-season? And we'll also take a look at, yeah, some news and notes from around the NHL and also uh, briefly talk about uh, Travis Roy, who passed away last week. And I know that affected a lot of of Boston area hockey fans uh, for sure. But let's go back to what the Bruins have and haven't done so far this offseason. We all remember they signed Kevin Miller on the first day of free agency, which remains a bit of a head scratcher for me to give up. $1.25 million of cap space when it's a flat cap and that space is at a premium. They lost Tory Krug to the St. Louis Blues. They signed Craig Smith uh, from the Nashville Predators, and they also re-signed a bunch of uh, restrictive free agents in Matt Grizzlick, Jacobs Borrell, and Zach Sinitian. One of the big things that I think remains on the to-do list for Don Sweeney and co. is shoring up the blue line. It really seems as though they are set on trying to fill the void left by Tory Krug. 
um, internally. And that means giving Jacobs Borrell more of a chance. It means giving Matt Grizzlick increased uh, responsibilities and also looking at guys like Yerho Vakanaiden, Jeremy Lozon to step up and play regular shifts at the NHL level as well. Adam Gretz of NBC Sports, he wrote a column over the weekend, five NHL teams that still have big questions this offseason. And one of those teams is our Boston Bruins. And he wrote the question, how does Boston replace Tory Krug? He wrote, this might be the most significant departure among Eastern Conference contenders. Krug was the Bruins' fourth leading scorer a year ago, third on the team in ice time, simply one of their best players. With Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo can still be big parts of the defense, while they can, I should say. They are still losing a major impact player with, at the moment, no one coming in to replace him. That is, of course, not mentioning the internal options that the Bruins have in Zborl, Vakaninen, uh, Lozon, etc. He continues, the free agent market at this point is ridiculously thin. Sammy Vatnin is still available. He's a right-hand shot. And Slater Cuckoo is an intriguing project. None of them are going to play the minutes and offer the production that Krug does. The Bruins still have a fantastic team and salary cap space to work with, thanks to their forwards and goalies, but they still have a massive hole on their blue line, and, and I could not agree more. That is a huge hole that the Bruins have to fill, and I'm not yet convinced that the internal options will be uh, the answer. Cuckoo is an intriguing prospect he was selected uh, you know 10th overall the 2012 NHL entry draft he didn't really crack the lightning lineup he played for Chicago the past couple years one goal and nine assists in uh, 42 games for the Blackhawks last season um, a left-hand shot with some high-end potential could he be a reclamation project for the Bruins um, I certainly, you know, wouldn't rule it out. I think he is someone who could step in and uh, be obviously not a replacement for Tory Krug, but someone who at the very least could push the likes of Zborl and Vakaninen for playing time. And, you know, we've seen these kind of low risk, potentially medium to high reward deals across the league with Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Bobby Ryan, guys like that. And this is the way the Bruins could add some depth at the left-hand defense position with someone who has some upside, to be sure. Now, along those lines, the other question is whether or not the Bruins re-sign Zdeno Chara. Chara has made it clear that he is uh, willing and able and ready to resume his career with the Boston Bruins, despite being you know, 43 at this point. Uh, the Bruins have said it's in his court at the moment whether or not he wants to play, which is confusing because, as I just said, he did make it clear that he wants to. Now the Bruins are um, up against the cap to some degree. At the moment, they have, I believe, about $6.66 million in cap space remaining, and that is with Jake DeBrusque as a restricted free agent and we'll get to him here in a moment. So that would leave yeah, close to well, 6.657 million dollars to re-sign DeBrusque 
and also try to get um, Zdeno Chara under uh, contract as well. At the moment, the Bruins' defense is listed as McAvoy, Grizzlick, Carlo, John Moore, Connor Clifton, and Jeremy Lozon. That's three, uh, sorry, two lefties and three righties at the moment with Zborl and Vakaninen there as left-handed options. So if you bring Chara back, you bring in a guy like Cuckoo, um, there's suddenly a bit more depth there on the left side. Not enough to replace Tori Krug. He's basically irreplaceable. And Grizzlick will be able to, you know, bring some of that production. He's going to get a chance to man the top power play. Could get top pair minutes alongside McAvoy. But to expect him to replicate Krug's success might be asking a bit much. And it's kind of going to be um, uh, replacement by committee, I suppose. Bruce Cassidy has said that he wants to generate more offense from the blue line. Tori Krug was the team's top shot producer from the blue line, top scorer from the blue line. And if that's going to happen, then, yeah, again, you're going to need a bunch of guys stepping up, trying to get the puck on net, and uh, maybe spreading out some of that offensive production among two, maybe even three players. Um, but suddenly, if you bring Chara back in, if you bring... Uh, a guy like Cuckoo or a Vatnin in perhaps, but he's a right-hand shot. You have more depth there at the moment. Left side, it's Moore and Grizzlick who have, uh, you know, substantial NHL experience. And that um, leaves a lot <laughs> to be desired uh, for sure, especially after Grizzlick. If the Bruins could trade John Moore's contract, that would be greatly beneficial. He has three years left, $2.75 million. And, um, yeah, he and Nick Ritchie for sure have uh, contracts that, if moved, could open up some uh, opportunities for further improvement, especially up front. And we'll get to that here in a moment as well. But before we do, I want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar, like I mentioned off the top, is the best tasting protein bar available. It comes in 18 amazing flavors. Nut and non-nut. There's six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, as well as 12 delicious original flavors. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. But lest you think it's an indulgent treat, you should know that Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while... Enjoying a built bar. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great even if you're on the keto diet. Right now, if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. Check them out today. I mentioned earlier the signing of Craig Smith. And when healthy, the Bruins' right side, particularly in the top nine, is as good as any around the league, in my opinion. You have David Pasternak, who is the Ovechkin. Pff, Ovechkin. Probably in the future it'll be called that, but the Richard Trophy winner from last season tied with Ovechkin at 48 goals. You have Andre Kasha, who despite his inability to score in the playoffs, remains uh, a very good player and a real upgrade for the Bruins at uh, the right side. 
and then Craig Smith as well, who is a proven scorer at the NHL level. The left side is where there are big questions. And first, there have been clamors from Bruins fandom for the Bruins to sign a uh, legitimate elite level scorer to play the left side along with uh, David Krejci. Now, Taylor Hall came and went. Uh, Anthony Duclair is still out there. He's a target that I would like to see the Bruins pursue. But one of the big names remaining is Mike Hoffman, who scored 29 goals in 69 games for the Florida Panthers last season. He had 36 goals the season before. And it appears as though uh, teams are trying to maybe lowball him a bit because of the flat cap. The Athletics Pierre Lebrun wrote last week that teams continue to call about Hoffman a dozen or so, five or six with serious interest, another six or seven on the periphery. They've all checked in with Hoffman's camp, led by agent Rob Hooper, but the offers so far have been Bargain City. I mentioned earlier Boston's limited cap space and... Uh, the need to re-sign Jake DeBrusque and also hopefully get Zdeno Chara under contract. If the Bruins are interested in a player of Hoffman's ilk, then certainly it will take more than a bargain off offer to get him in the mix. Um, you know, there's been talk of like a one-year $6 million deal. He is a very strong offensive player. He does leave a bit to be desired on the defensive end of his game. But perhaps in the Bruins system, that could be rectified a bit or at least buffered by how well the rest of the team plays defensively. So whether or not the Bruins are interested in Hoffman and whether or not they'll have room for Mike Hoffman is a huge question. He is without a doubt the best scorer remaining on the free agent market. He remains number one on TSN's free agent list. And from there, it kind of gets a, a little bleak, to be honest. After Hoffman, you have Eric Halla, Corey Perry, Michael Granlund, who could be an intriguing player for the Bruins, although he is more of a defensive guy. He wouldn't necessarily bring that huge offensive boost that the team is looking for. Anthony Duclair, I'm fully on board with the Bruins looking at him. On the left side, it's... Ilya Kovalchuk, who I was on board with the Bruins pursuing last season on a, a very cheap deal like he signed with the Canadians. You also have Matt Martin, who's more of a checker. Connor Sheary, who could bring some scoring. Colin Wilson. Uh, and then whoa, who else do we have? Drake Kajula, Brian Boyle, Riley Sheehan, Michael Grabner. So it gets very less tantalizing from here on out. Mike Hoffman, the big prize. Made $5.19 million last year. He's probably looking for a raise, but he might settle for you know, a one-year deal that could set him up for bigger uh, earnings next summer when hopefully the cap goes a bit up, although that's a big question mark now, seeing as there's no real certainty in terms of fans being in the stands and ticket revenue. Now... The need to sign Mike Hoffman may or not, may not be precipitated by the re-signing of Jake DeBrusque or the lack thereof. If 
The Bruins and DeBrusque are unable to come to an agreement on a new contract. Keep in mind, the Bruins have all the leverage here as DeBrusque is a restricted free agent with no arbitration rights. Then it's quite possible that the team could look to trade him either for uh, a similar player to fill out the top six or to fill that void left-hand defense. And then they go turn around and bring in Mike Hoffman. The Jake DeBrusque situation in my mind is the biggest question mark remaining this offseason. What they're going to do with him, whether they're going to sign him, what the number will be, whether they're considering trading him, how long this standstill will continue. You know, typically December 1st is the cutoff date for restricted free agents. If they're not signed by that date, then they have to sit out the entire season. That will, of course, be pushed back. It could be if the season, say, doesn't start until early February, maybe that date becomes April. Uh, just, you know, two months after, like it would be in regular circumstances. So do the Bruins wait that long to try to resolve this? If he's not signed by training camp, do they look to trade him? It's obviously not unheard of for the Bruins to trade players who have been drafted by the team, who've had a, a few good years with the team. Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton, Phil Kessel come to mind. Um, yeah, that's a distinct possibility. It's not without precedent. That was prior to, well, actually, no, Sweeney did trade Dougie Hamilton. And so as valuable as DeBrusque could be for this team, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could get the same treatment. I think ideally the Bruins would like to sign him to a two or three year deal in the three to four million dollar range. DeBrusque seems intent on cashing in already on what has been a, a good start to his career, but uh, not as promising as his rookie year for sure. And there are players who are drafted after him that have been more successful. And that leads us to our next question for the Bruins. And that is not specifically for next season, but just looking at the future, looking at the landscape, looking at what's in the pipeline and kind of coming to a decision on when they might have to enter into a rebuild mode. We saw the Chicago Blackhawks come out a couple weeks ago and announced that they're looking to rebuild, retool, while still having Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith in the mix. The Bruins could face a situation where they will have you know, Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak, maybe not in the same scope as those two, as he's you know younger, just entering his prime. Bergeron, uh, Marchand for sure, could be the only two core players left after Tori Krug's already gone, if Zdeno Chara's not back, if after next season the Bruins decide to move on from Tuka Rask and David Krejci, then you have Marchand, Bergeron. Bergeron at that point will be, you know, close to not close to 40 but certainly in the later stages of his career and do they try to bring in help from outside do they use cap space freed up by rask and krejci and go after a taylor hall make a bigger commitment to a mike hoffman try to bring in some help on defense or do they just decide that uh you know they're going to Take a few years to restock the cupboard prospect-wise. Try to build around 
McAvoy and Pasternak and see where they go from there. Now, a big thing here is the Bruins' apparent failures at the draft in recent years. There's that meme, of course, of, you know, oh shit, the Bruins could have Barzil, Connor, Shillington here. The Bruins could have had Barzil, Connor, Shabbat. And those three would be players to build around for the foreseeable future. For now, they have DeBrusque, Sinitian, and Zborl. They drafted Trent Frederick over a guy like Alex DeBrinkett. Um, and, you know, have made this concerted effort to draft American-born players. Really eschewed the Canadian Hockey League in recent years. And, you know... Apart from Jack Stanika, who is that last OHL pick, who among the prospects is someone that we think they can build around? Jeremy Swayman, perhaps, could be an elite-level goaltender. Kyle Kieser could be an elite-level goaltender if he moves past these injury issues that have plagued him in recent years. Jacobs Borrell could be a guy. We don't know. He looked pretty good in Providence. This is a huge question facing the Bruins. Maybe not this offseason, but it's something they need to at least start thinking about for next offseason and in the next couple of years. What's this team going to look like? Are they going to do a full rebuild? Are they going to try to retool, build around McAvoy and Pasternak? Charlie Coyle, I'd say, is one of those core players, but he's not a first-line guy. Um, he's probably a second-line guy at best. And... You know, the Bruins are at their best when he is anchoring the third line, for sure. Um, so that is a huge question for the Bruins, what their short to long-term plan is and what the team will look like next season and in the years to follow. So those are five big questions facing the Bruins still this offseason. What to do on the left side of the defense? What's going to happen with Zidane Chara? Will they be able to bring in... a a scoring free agent like a Mike Hoffman or an Anthony Duclair. What's going to happen with Jake DeBrusque? And of course, um, what they're thinking in terms of the long-term outlook of this club. Let me know what you think about those questions. Uh, are there other ones? Are any of these easily answered? Hit me up at LO underscore Boston Bruins or at Ian C. McLaren with your thoughts on any of these issues that I have brought up. Let's finish now with some news and notes from Reality NHL. I mentioned the departure of Tori Krug earlier, and it might help uh, ease the pain of that to see NHL.com's list of the top 20 defensemen, the best of the current crop of defensemen in the NHL. This isn't, you know, under 25. It's not under 23 or prospects. It is their list of the best defensemen in the NHL the top 20 at the very least, and Tori Krug, nowhere to be seen on this list. At number nine, Charlie McAvoy. They write, after getting off to a slow start last season, McAvoy tied his NHL career high in points, 32, and set his career high in assists, 27 in 67 games. He led the Bruins in ice time per game, blocked shots, and he ranked third in hits. McAvoy averaged one minute more per game last season than he did in 2018-19. He was a plus 24 to improve to plus 58 in three NHL seasons. The players ahead of him are Chris Letang, Dougie Hamilton, Kale McCarr, Seth Jones, Alex Pietrangelo, John Carlson, Roman Yossi, and Victor Hedman. 
I don't know if a lot of Bruins fans would put Charlie McAvoy in the top 10 among all NHL defensemen at this point. I think a lot of that was clattered a bit by the fact that he did get off to a slow start offensively last season. In my mind, he is a number one defenseman. According to NHL.com, he's a top 10 in the league defenseman. And I think, you know, questions about who's going to man the top power play. Can Grizzlick fill that hole? Charlie McAvoy is the Bruins' number one defenseman. He's able to play in all situations, and I think uh, they're very well positioned to succeed with Charlie McAvoy driving the bus moving forward. We don't have much to worry about along those lines, I don't think. Um, You know, the strength used to be Chara and Krug on the left side. Now we're seeing a bit of a, a pivot to the right side where it's McAvoy and Carlo who... Uh, are going to be the linchpins of the defense for the Boston Bruins for several years to come. Uh, Again, they got to finish, fix that left side, but the right side at the moment is uh, very strong. And I think the Bruins are lucky to have both of those players. Now, speaking of Charlie McAvoy, he was one of the Bruins players who released their condolences Last week, after the passing of Travis Roy at age 45, the former Boston University hockey player, as we all know, was paralyzed just 11 seconds into his first college shift back in 1995. A very tragic, life-altering setback, Uh, but Roy did become a symbol of hope and determination across New England, across the hockey world, for his tireless work as an advocate for spinal cord research through the Travis Roy Foundation, as well as his impactful work as a motivational speaker. Uh, Cam Neely said, Travis Roy was the ultimate symbol of determination and courage. The impact that he had on New England hockey is immeasurable, and his relentless advocacy for spinal cord research was inspiring. um, Charlie McAvoy said, I have been fortunate enough to get to know Travis since my time at BU. His life was dedicated to helping other people and his determination, generosity, and smile were infectious. The impact he had on the hockey community and the world around him is immeasurable. I will miss his friendship dearly. And Matt Grizzlick, another BU guy, said, Rest in peace, Travis Roy. Had the privilege to get to know Travis through his foundation and BU hockey. After having his lifelong dream taken away from him, He chose to dedicate his life to help millions of people inside the game of hockey and out. I will forever cherish your infectious smile and positive attitude. Your story of perseverance and courage will be remembered forever. I too send my condolences to his family and and I'm thankful to have uh, gotten to know Travis from afar, just reading his story, seeing the impact that he made on the hockey community and, you know, people just around uh, New England and abroad, even myself up here in Canada. It's it's really uh, very special, and we're all better people for having, uh, you know, witnessed what he was able to do after that tragic accident. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, you know, Bobby Orr and his endorsement of the current president. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, for those of you who want my take on it, you can see that at ENC McLaren. Uh, I tweeted quite a few things on it. I know it's a very divisive time, very divisive topic, uh, certainly for uh, those of you south of the border, for Bruins fans, 
on both sides of the border and worldwide. Um, all I will say is that uh, tomorrow is obviously a huge day in the States. Everybody has the right to vote as they see fit. Uh, it's, um, you know, just a, a huge day. And I just uh, hope and pray that everyone uh, remains safe, that everyone is able to uh, get out and vote. And, uh, you know, the best thing is that we just continue to look out for our neighbor more than anybody else. And that includes people who are, you know, less privileged than us, don't have the same abilities as us. And in the hockey world, especially if hockey truly is for everyone, then it needs to include uh, people of color. It needs to include the LGBTQ community. It needs to include, uh, you know, uh, the disabled community and we must do everything we can to make sure this community is as open to everyone as possible and um, anything that stands against that to me is uh, not productive and uh, you know I won't support it and that's all I'm going to say about that so yeah I hope you're all doing well I hope you're all taking care of yourselves Halloween has come and gone. Daylight savings time is here. It's getting darker. It's getting colder. I woke up to snow here. I know there was a, a huge dump of snow in Boston area over the weekend. Uh, just be good to yourselves and do whatever you need to get through this time. And uh, hopefully this Boston Bruins podcast can uh, lend a hand in that. And like I said, we'll be here three podcasts a week for the foreseeable future. So please do subscribe and never miss one. I thank you to those who do take some time to listen. That's very much appreciated. I really appreciate the interactions on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, feel free to message me there, and I'll try to answer your questions as best I can, whether in private or on the podcast as well. Uh, so yeah, happy Monday, friends, and we'll be back on Wednesday with a mailbag episode. So if you do have questions, be sure to send them to at LO underscore Boston Bruins or at Ian C. McLaren. Thanks for listening, friends. Take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you later. Peace.